0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to This Much I Know, the Seedcamp podcast with me, your host, Carlos Espinal, bringing you the inside story from founders, investors, and leading tech voices. Tune in to hear from the people who built businesses and products, scaled globally, failed fantastically, and learned massively. Welcome, everyone. On today's podcast, we have two Seedcamp team members that are absolutely killing it in the topic that we we're about to discuss, open source. Thanks for joining us, Sia and Kieran. Thanks, Carlos. Looking forward to this. Uh, Just so that the the people who are watching, listening, know a little bit more about you guys, just tell us a little bit about kind of what you guys do within the investment team. Uh, We're all, you know, part of the the investment team, but, you know, it'd be great to just get a sense for how we operate and and what you guys do.
1: Yeah. So I joined SitCamp a bit over six years ago now, actually first as an intern and, uh, then I had a chance to join the investment team full-time at the end of my internship and more recently with the launch of our fourth fund in late 2017, I also joined the partnership. I think uh, we all are like generalist investors at Seedcamp and obviously our time is split on like sourcing, on supporting the company's post-investment and also with uh, a lot of like the other stuff that uh, keeps us busy in the internal ops of SITCAM, but each of us also has his own areas of interest and I've been spending a bit more time uh, on like everything, enterprise software over the past few years. And uh, that's also what got me interested in uh, open source.
0: Excellent, Kieran.
2: Yeah, and i um, been at SITCAMP myself since uh, 2016, like uh, SIA so yeah, also started out. Originally as an intern and then, um, obviously as we raised our, our fourth fund, uh, in 2017 came on full time as part of the investment team there. And, um, so I, I spent a lot of my time, um, obviously on the kind of investment side, on the sort of sourcing side and, you know, looking at new businesses that we're considering investing in, especially at the sort of pre-seed stage. And, um, you know, like SEER have, um, had a bit of an interest in this, um, kind of enterprise ecosystem. And we've kind of, um, yeah, taken a look ourselves kind of at that space and, and been pretty interested in, in some of the new kind of businesses um, emerging there and so worked quite together on some of those.
0: So one of the interesting things that you mentioned, Sia, is, is how we see things evolve uh, and marketplaces evolve. You know, Seedcamp, we, we see enough companies in any given year that in many ways we're like the, the tip of the spear when it comes to new industries. And one of the interesting, interesting things that we've seen over the years has been the evolution of FinTech, the evolution of AI, and as we've looked at enterprise and B2B, we've seen this new generation of open source companies. Um, maybe just walk us through a little bit of a very quick history lesson as to, you know, the, the first generation through the current generation and kind of what, what attributes we're starting to see now that weren't covered in previous generations of open source.
1: Sure, so I think if you go back to the open source companies of the 90s, so think about companies like Red Hat or MySQL, Uh, those companies really managed to uh, build big businesses on focusing on some like core areas of software, like the operating system or like the database. And uh, basically most of their monetization came from the support that they were providing to like those enterprise customers they had. So it was very much a kind of like consulting approach to monetization. And then around like 2005, 2010, you started to have like more companies that were also taking a open source approach, but where they were like kind of embracing this open core business model where large part of the offering would be open sourced, but where there would be features in uh, their offering that would be paid features. And uh, that was like a, a trend that was also led by companies like Cloudera or Horton Work. And more recently, we've seen a lot of companies that might also use like the business models of like consulting or open core, but what has uh, emerged as like, was a very effective way to monetize open source is actually SaaS. So like offering a hosted solution to your customers. So that uh you have like companies like MongoDB, Elastic and others that uh, have been like successful at building really, really large businesses that
0: way. Yeah, so over that evolution, there's certain elements that have clearly been driving that. One of them is the communities of developers and the engagement and and what that means. I think the open source community has always been very strong and it's always been a great way for developers to showcase a lot of their their, their good work. But then there is the evolution, as you mentioned, of of support and and sort of how to roll this out. And then there's the other element of it, which is like what is enterprise ready and how how does open source become enterprise ready? And then with with it evolving into a SaaS solution is when it started to become really enterprise ready. But if we look at it in terms of a business, what is the renewed interest behind these commercial projects and, and investor interest? Like as, as you've been exploring this area and you know, as we've been making more investments in the space, what has been this sort of re re-emergence in, in interest from the commercial point of view?
2: Yeah, I think there's, there's probably a couple of things. I mean, you know, at this stage, um, everyone knows that software is eating the world and um, kind of naturally, you know, um, as, as software eats the world, you know, developers get empowered within the enterprise. And um, therefore, there's a kind of like preference for the tools that sort of developers like playing with and, and kind of growing up with, with sort of like open source. There's a, there's a sort of like generational thing there. Where, you know, those people making kind of purchasing decisions are those that were you know, educated, playing with open source and tinkering with it and, and are now making actually those decisions about, okay, what software do we purchase in the enterprise? So I think that there's, there's those two aspects, like most businesses are becoming software businesses, um, these days and just, you know, that, that function is, is pretty critical. So that, that, that's one. And then, um, yeah, the, the kind of empowering of, of the developer within the organization. And then I think, the third one is, you know, as as Sia said, it's the kind of finally that alignment around business model. You're right; there was a there was a real flourishing of you know open source projects in the late 90s and early 2000s. I mean, there were very few sort of standout commercial successes, and, and Red Hat is a, is is one that you know Sia points to there. But to actually get it right from a business model perspective of how you distribute a product at scale for free, but also somehow you know generate a um, profitable business i mean that, that that's a puzzle that's you know we're only starting to see um be be properly solved now and you know if you, if you even look at the sort of data i mean i think there's there's in the region of like 30 to 40 plus businesses that have you know commercial open source at, at the core um basically of their their offering that are generating kind of 100 million plus um revenue um yearly so yeah there's been a, a real kind of paradigm shift there and actually that the, you know pointing to that you can actually make um, a kind of success out of open source there
0: mm. Is there anything you want to add? Yeah, just
1: to add to what Kieran already mentioned, I think there's just like a lot of uh, energy right now in the open source community. I was like looking at some stats. I mean, over the past decade, you have uh, almost a 80% growth rate year on year in the number of open source projects. And obviously, like the number of like, developers are so out there is like growing really fast. And yeah, I think open source is very much like the ultimate enterprise bottom-up strategy. So, you know, companies like Slack and others have like really democratized over the past few years, the kind of bottom-up approach to selling to enterprise. And uh, that's also what got us interested in the space is that uh, we've done quite a few investments that take this kind of bottom-up strategy. And, uh, Open source is really like a a very strong model there where you're like, as Kieran was saying before, empowering the developer as the
0: buyer rather than the IT department. Okay, so we've seen this pattern over the last few years. We've made a few investments and we'll we'll name check a few. Um, and, And if I had to summarize the advantages that we've seen so far in open source, I would say, you know, it helps break the reliance on major vendors like Oracle and Microsoft and, and gives you freedom and help companies retain more control of what they're building, help cut, cut costs. It helps uh, expedite sales because it's a bottom-up approach through the developer relationships. And so those are all the great things that we're seeing in this current generation and some of the investments we've made. But now let's look at the, the challenges. Um, maybe walk us through the challenges that we're still seeing in this space.
1: I mean, as an investor, looking at uh, open source opportunities is not easy, especially at the stage we play in, which is very early. And uh, basically, when you're looking at uh, those uh, open source companies, I mean, at our stage, definitely you will not see revenue. And the truth is that even uh, by the time they will raise their next round, you will probably not see revenue. I mean, I think if you just look, for example, at... uh, company like Strapi that announced this week its series A from uh, Index Ventures they're growing really fast still at this stage they are not generating any revenue but you need to like find other ways to demonstrate traction and obviously the 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 one that uh, a lot of uh, investors like in that space is the number of GitHub stars and uh, that's one way to look at it at the stage we invest that number would still like most likely be quite low. I mean, we have, uh, for example, invested in uh, a company called Meli search over the past few months that uh, is providing uh, a next generation search API in an open source way. And uh, they are like already like having a few thousands GitHub stars. But to be honest, what really got us excited here was the quality of the team their passion for the problem and the fact that uh, you could see from the early feedback they were getting from a, a very like small number of developers that they were able to get a lot of developer love there but it's it's complex it's uh, it's very difficult especially at our stage to really assess uh, if uh, this is going to potentially be an interesting project that will just stay a hobby project for like the developers or if this is like really an area where there is a
0: big commercial opportunity. So uh, just uh, I know that, that we, we're not even at the, at the tip of the iceberg of, of all the challenges and we'll go through each one of them, but I wanted to touch upon that a little bit. Sia, do you, do you find that at the moment, as we're as we're looking at open source opportunities, that the the credibility of the founding team within the open source community is a huge necessity almost to really stand out?
1: Yeah, I think it, it, it's pretty critical to really, it doesn't mean that the founders need to be uh, really like kind of like a uh, prominent profile in like the developer community, even if that can obviously help, but it's really trying to understand what brought that team to to build the business that way. And the fact that they are very genuine about like this like open source approach, and then, Usually, developers that take those approaches, they would like also have like tested with like their friends a bit, like what they are working on, and you can see already in this like kind of early feedback if there is something special happening or not.
2: I think that's uh, I think that's exactly right. When we're looking at more traditional SaaS businesses, you know the concept that we always uh, think about is this idea of founder a market fit. Like, why is this founder uniquely empowered to go after this space? And um, you know, in the open source um, uh, category, when we look at those businesses, I think it's probably more kind of like founder community fit. You know, why does this individual have the sort of like credibility um, to to kind of um, you know be at the center of this ecosystem and 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 kind of cultivate that. Um, authority and that 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 can come in in a kind of like variety of ways as i said you don't need to have been sort of like respected um like 20 year 10 year 15 year sort of like industry veteran working on that space but what you do need to be is someone who's you know kind of um like has a kind of like strong place within that community and is um you know kind of like respected there and a lot of the projects you know that that we've been backing have that kind of connection and um you know, I think um, you, you you take like um, I mean, S- S- Sierra Works probably the closest of them, but you know, a business like um, you know, QuestDB that we we recently backed, building a um, open source um, uh, time time scale database. I mean, those guys were working on on this problem sort of internally with with their previous company, blockchain, and so kind of like pushing the pushing the kind of like um, limits of that product there, and and therefore able to kind of like command respect. When it comes to when it comes to that category
1: yeah i think i mean back to the point of uh, at the stage we invest obviously uh, having no revenue and even 18 months later probably like the company still having no revenue it's the challenge of how can you assess as an investor that there will be a clear business roi at some point and uh, and that's like something that uh, uh we to be honest sometimes still like struggle with but uh in each uh, businesses we've backed, we, we took a different route to try to assess that, like speak sometimes to uh, even uh, some of the potential buyers of such, such solutions in our portfolio, speak with other developers, look at uh, potential um, parallels between what the company that is building this uh, in an open source way would have with like a like let's say closed source competitor. So so that sometimes can also help us because that can be a good proof point that there is clearly a market for that type of solution and that if you build a product of the same quality with an open source approach, you could potentially get tons of uh, developer love for that offering.
0: But I think some of the other... So so talking about developer love, uh, how how do you maintain that developer love? You know, like it's sometimes we see stuff so early and, and, you know, there's this promise, but, you know, for some of these projects to work long-term there needs to be a continued engagement. And then on top of that, how do you also do that while at the same time focusing on getting the marketing of, of talking to enterprises uh, to, to trust you? Yeah.
1: And uh, that's definitely
0: a big challenge. This whole like challenge of,
1: uh, basically sustaining your community and uh, on one hand you know getting the credibility there and reassuring the community that uh, the open source software you've built is uh, going to still be there and that as a project you will like keep maintaining it uh, for the long run and that it's not just something you published uh, on github and that uh, 6 months later will not be maintained etc so that's one that uh, is important to like uh, really um, kind of uh, communicate clearly to the community on the other hand if you are like also VC backed or if you start to speak about monetization it can also scare the community of developers in the sense that they might think that uh, the, the open source core of the project might like in the longer term like become something that you make them pay for so it could potentially cannibalize a bit your community so there are a lot of challenges there that you need to balance and at that very early stage we try to see if like the founders have already like kind of like some smart ideas around how to just uh, uh, basically market their project to the community if uh, they've been good on like writing content, on engaging with the community uh, through GitHub, through Slack, etc.
0: What do you think about um, the, the traditional sales process? How's that affected? I think the advantage
1: of uh, open source companies is that they don't need to have uh, as much of like a sales organization as like more uh, traditional closed source businesses in the sense that, uh, as we mentioned before, you have this very much like a bottom-up adoption. And that means that at the point, like the software that uh, you're building in the enterprise has been somehow infected by uh, open source. That's probably a pretty easy sales pitch for like the open source company to go to that organization and say, look, you already have a lot of our code that is being used by your developers. And basically, it would now make sense to pay for like those features or potentially for a hosted version of like the solution. So what we see is that when like open source companies are able to really push on like the monetization strategy, usually they are able to do so with a a very like small field sales team and
0: much faster sales cycle than their closed source counterparts. Yeah, so basically in a in a post-COVID world or in a, in a during-COVID world, it, it almost makes more economic sense uh, to be an open source because you, you in effect have almost an organic sales process bubbling up, people trying to cut costs and and having projects surface within organizations as a way of replacing uh, paid licenses. And then ultimately, once there's enough installs, the then, then it's an easier switch into some sort of commercial model. Okay, well look there's clearly we could we could go through many more challenges um in greater depths i mean one topic we haven't even talked about is is like security and how do you how do you audit that you know but a lot of tools as you mentioned Sia, are basically built into the company in in ways that incrementally get uh more responsibility and so as a consequence how companies secure their code has evolved as well mm-hmm. um so maybe moving away from the challenges And into opportunities, Um, Karen. What what areas do you think we will see open source projects? Or well, like if you had to take a a gambling bet, which is kind of in some ways what (laughs) what you know venture is. um, If you had to take a bet of what will pop up Mm -hmm. in in this new generation of open source um, in areas that hasn't yet been touched in the last two years, what do you think it will be?
2: It's, uh, it's an interesting question. I think, um, yeah, wish wish we could have the the easy answer and, and sort of like preemptively map that out and and make some bets in that space. But um, I think if you, you know, clearly if you look at the the past sort of even 15, 20 years and where the bulk of the tools have been built, it's definitely more on the kind of, um, you know, infrastructure side. It's um, tools that, you know are are pretty kind of mission critical um to the to the kind of like um enterprise and 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 you know um you know in in that sense that's that's where we've kind of seen the the bulk of the the bulk of the um evolution in tools um recently so you know um whether that be sort of like search and and, and see for example mentioned i think um like elastic there as a as as an example so i think probably i think that there are still a I actually think that there's probably still um, a lot of major kind of like enterprise offerings that you know, haven't really been much improved since the early 2000s, you know, lines of businesses um, of a kind of like IBM and SAP, et cetera. I think you know, um, actually there's, there's still a, a decent way to go actually in, in, in even kind of open source projects, um, taking those business lines and, and kind of like then you know having this this open open source approach and um sort of like doing it doing it from that angle, so i I think I think we actually still have a long way to go in the kind of like infrastructure side of things and and that's definitely something that you know we're still um still paying paying attention to here
1: yeah I'm to add to Kieran's point, I mean developers are uh, very creative in the just like making their own line of work also always like more efficient. And uh, we think there's still like tons of opportunities in uh, just uh, anything from like building, running, monitoring, machine learning, um, building like better environments for data science. So we actually made an investment in that space with our investment in Orchest, which is kind of an IDE for data science teams. Uh, Also in terms of like managing your APIs, uh, potentially also thinking about uh, new trends like robotic process automation. There's a lot that can be done there in terms of uh, just uh, providing better tooling for all those areas. So that's also what we are very excited about.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, as we go through that, I mentioned security a little earlier. Maybe one of you wants to talk about one of our, uh, our recent investments in, in this space um, in more detail. Because it's a kind of an interesting way of of leveraging the community. So I know that we've covered it before, but you know, Karen, you want to talk a little bit more about how, for for certain projects that are out there that need more help that closed source can't solve, how they're leveraging the community.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the business Carlos is referring to there is um, uh, a company called Four One Eight Sec, who we uh, we're um, pretty excited to to back earlier this year and um what, what those guys um are doing is essentially um you know as as open source code gets like rapidly adopted within the enterprise, you know, there's obviously a whole host of security risks associated with that. So you know, what 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 they they're building is basically you know a crowdsourced repository of, of fixes for um you know open source um vulnerabilities. And yeah, you're right. I think um what was what was really exciting when we first met 418sec was, um, you know, despite being such an early business, actually the the stuff they were doing on the on the community side was was really exciting. I mean, um, uh, it, it quite quite a kind of um, uh, quite a radical thing that you know actually um, that they were able to um, get people from all across the world um, incentivize uh, developers and, and hackers all over to you know, contribute fixes um to to these open source bugs and and the way that they were were kind of doing that was through almost gamifying the experience through this um uh through this like lead, um leaderboard type product and and actually i think um that that was you know of of the sort of like open source businesses like something really exciting we saw on the on the community side that actually you know weekly they were having a a bunch of people um kind of like uh you know contribute to this and um i think that 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 really pointed to to something um, that they had got right with that community management. Yeah, aspect.
0: and that's probably that's probably the most exciting thing about you know some of the stuff that you're seeing now is is the ability to to leverage that larger community, um, which is a very active community in in ways that previously wasn't even possible or even trusted uh, prior to today. So to wrap things up, I just wanted to do a quick sort of review. Oh, something just fell in my kitchen. I don't know if you guys heard that. <laughs> <laughs> um, if we go through a lot of things that we covered today, which was around you know the, the evolution of, of open source, we, we covered uh, what are the advantages of open source, how that's changed over the years, um, what are the challenges, and some of the benefits that we have in open source during these times. I think what I wanted to, to wrap things up with, uh, Sia, is advice for founders who are you know listening to this or who are already in the middle of building an open source project with how to engage with investors, how to, you know, what to have ready, what to uh, accentuate, what to have as far as traction um, so that they can engage with us or any other investor. Yeah,
1: I think it's a, it's a great time for open source uh, businesses to actually think about fundraising. Obviously, like given like the, the lockdown situation, I mean, open source companies are the kind of ultimate uh, distributed organizations, so they are usually, really like good at dealing with uh, such a situation and uh, I think there's also quite a lot of at- appetite from uh, enterprises and from investors for like open source projects right now uh, I think in terms of advice uh, to just like cover a few of the things uh, that uh, we had mentioned before and maybe add a bit to it I think this uh really like focus on engaging with your early community is absolutely critical. I would say, don't think about monetization too early about like just like trying to push revenue when you haven't had yet like that kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, fit with like the community. And uh, at the same time, when you're pitching investor, still have some assumptions on why there is a clear business ROI longer term, because they will want to make sure that indeed there is like two three five years down the line the opportunity to build a really big business there and then i would also recommend transparency in general i think uh, you you are like basically engaging with a lot of like different parties when you're building open source uh, uh, business. So you have your contributors, you have your users that might not always be like the ones that would contribute to the project. You have potentially like the business buyer in the organization and uh, you need to manage like the marketing to those different parties. You need to also manage your product roadmap that uh, might some, sometimes be at conflict between like requested that you get from different groups. So I think if you're transparent in the way you're like kind of like uh, planning on all those fronts and uh, really like maybe even like publishing to the community, your roadmap, etc., that will help just build that early credibility and uh, really get like the, the developer love that you need to make your open source project successful. And then finally, obviously, uh, please, uh, if uh, you are looking for funding, think of SITCAMP. We we are active in the space. We are definitely um, just uh, uh, very keen to engage with more companies that are building around open source software. And so you can go on our website. There is a form there, submit your details, and uh, you will get an answer from us really quickly.
0: So with that, um, thanks for for the time, Sia and, and Kieran. Uh, you know, we, we really enjoy um, chatting with, uh, with, with you guys and as well as, you know, covering these topics, which I think in, in some cases, it's, it's funny, as I started off the podcast, we were talking about how some of these things bubble up um, and you just see momentum. And so it's, it's great to see, you know, when you look back as a retrospective, how much momentum has been built and how much exciting ground there is to cover in this space. So with that, guys, thank you. Until next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud and leave us a read with your thoughts on our show.